man's granddad. Yeah, I can't hear myself think with you shrieking about like a rusty gibbon. Shrieking like a... Who the hell's shrieking? Who's shrieking? A hand grenade could go off in your mouth and no one would hear it. For God's sake, show some consideration with the rest of the human race and shut your bleeding trap. Are you quite finished? No. Your socks are too loud as well. This is Richard Wilson speaking. Thank you for downloading One Foot in the Podcast. So I'm a wrinkly, crinkly, but don't shed a tear. Hello to you footers and gravers, welcome to One Foot in the Podcast. With me this week is the man behind the full restoration of One Foot in the Algarve and the Big Children in Need event in Christchurch in a few weeks' time. His host of BBC's Stereo Underground and producer of Clever Things is Mr Richard Latto. Welcome Richard. Hi there Tom, I apologise if you can hear my children screaming at any point in the background. It's <laughs> bedtime in this household at the moment and we try and get them to go to sleep as quietly as possible but they're at that age now where they just want to stay up. <laughs> no apologies necessary, I'm in the same boat although i'm in a conservatory away from the madness but they're all asleep so hopefully nice. for both you and i it's a straightforward podcast episode but yeah it's good to have you on and thank how you. exciting thank you for the, inviting uh, me on exciting with the one foot in the algarve full restoration i suppose i just yeah. go straight into it really what what made you want to I, uh, do this I, I can't i i can't believe i don't believe it i can't believe mm-hmm. it's actually happening because i made a radio documentary for BBC Radio Solar about seven years ago in 2015. And that was uh, an ambition I'd always had since I moved to the the BBC Radio Solar area because I knew loads of people talk about it. We get a lot of callers to the radio station that quite often reference, did you know that One Foot in the Grave was filmed around this area? And it was obviously famously Walkford, Christchurch, Bournemouth, all around there and beyond. And I'd always wanted to do something and I've always been a massive fan. I love comedy I love television comedy I love sketch comedy I love sitcom I love film but I've always particularly enjoyed One Foot in the Grave because I think it's incredibly beautifully written by David Renwick and that is the main reason that it's a success you know that is yeah. that is the reason really um, and then of course that fantastic writing is supported by some superb performances some wonderful direction and just it's that it's that moment it's like when you get a really good film and you can't quite explain where the magic happens but there's that spark isn't there between all of those ingredients and then suddenly it works and it worked for such a long time for one foot in the grave it was a it was a decade wasn't it yeah and that's not usually the case usually with a lot of sitcoms you think oh it jumped the shark at that point but i don't think you can point at any particular episode or series of one foot in the grave and say that's not good enough because it was all such a high standard yeah our garth and and the reason this is a long-winded answer but the that's reason okay. <laughs> why i'm excited about one foot in the graph in hd was because after i interviewed david for the radio documentary i stayed in touch with him on email and i said look i've got this idea i've done a bit of work with the Doctor Who team that do the Blu-ray releases for that and a few other comedy related projects and I always knew that there were three episodes of One Foot in the Grave that were shot 100% on film and being part of the BBC 
I can look at what mm. archive holdings supposedly exist and what's actually yeah. on the shelf. And it was really great to see that One Foot in the Algarve, Hearts of Darkness and The Beast in the Cage exist. The original film is there. Well, the original That's the potential film... for Phil HD for those as well then. Exactly. So if the film is there, and I say the original film, the original film exists for two of them. One of them's a print, but right. that's still film. That's still pretty much. That's pretty yeah. good. And with film, unlike video, you can retransfer film in better quality now, high definition. 16 mil can make a really good HD transfer with a bit mm-hmm. of TLC. Uh, 35 mil, which is usual feature film stock. Uh, can make 4K, and that's that's rough, rough approximation of what can happen. And you can't really do that with video. You can try and upscale video; it doesn't really work as well. Um, yeah, it does an okay job, but film can look fantastic if transferred and restored properly. And so, looking at one foot in the Algarve specifically, the original camera negatives survive on the shelf, and that's mad because that was a 90 minute special and yeah having the camera legs for Algarve is is really exciting because it means you can go back to the actual film it's in the actual cameras and a lot of Algarve was shot uh, a thing called Super 16 which is a slightly wider version of 16 well wider exposure so you then see more of the picture it's slightly more widescreen it's going in the direction of widescreen so if the film is completely, if it's all external, like yeah. those episodes are, then you've got more of a chance of upscaling? Or because what yes. about studio footage of any mm. average episode? Is that just not doable? Sadly, you, well, you can. You can upscale stuff. And if you look at some things that have been released by the BBC and by other television companies, they have upscaled footage yeah. on certain things. And it does look good. It looks better. But nothing beats proper HD, and that's where the film comes into it. And sometimes the location stuff was shot on video. Sometimes they call it OB, outside broadcast. We have an outside broadcast truck and lots of video cameras that run to it. But the problem with, and I learned this through a Doctor Who thing, um, if you were doing a BBC programme and you booked the outside broadcast truck to film on the video cameras, and then suddenly a sports fixture change like a football match was suddenly going to happen the day that you were booked to film your location material you'd have to cancel your location shoot and grandstand would just take it to use it for the football so people didn't really like to do that so they preferred to shoot on film and also there's a different discipline to directing and shooting on film compared to shooting on video and that's why Algarve looks so different and that's why I think Algarve looks so it's so beautifully shot so wonderfully directed the colors the photography it feels like a feature film so that's the perfect one as much as i'd love to see hearts of darkness or beast in the yeah. cage on the big screen i think algarve and the fact that it's 90 minutes you know that's perfect lends it to it. what is your favorite one for episode you don't have to say algarve of course but it's so it's so it's so tricky um i think the one i like to tell people about is hearts of darkness because Mm. i don't think people it's a bit like sad news last week ray allen the author of some others who haven't passed and i did a ray allen uh, i did an interview with ray allen years ago and so i had to talk a bit about that to a few people and some others 
is a classic example of people think, oh, it's just Frank Spencer, Michael Crawford doing the catchphrase and doing lots of pratfalls and slapstick, when it's so much more. The, the, the witty banter, the writing and the, the intricacies of the plots are great. One Foot in the Grave, I think, is the same. If, if people haven't properly watched it and have the misconception that it's just a grumpy old man with a catchphrase and silly things happen, it's so much more than that. And Hearts of Darkness is the great example to say to someone, but do you remember the one that won? I think that's the one that won the BAFTA, isn't it? That's the one that where they encounter those people being abused in old people's home and they get revenge and he exposes it. And there's all this wonderful pathos, yet there's also uh, this hilarity where they get their feet stuck in the concrete and, and there's a whole music sequence and yeah. it's all shot on location. People don't realise that that's the case. And I think that's a great example of the power of comedy and the power of pathos when it's done so beautifully. Um, although saying that, so that's the one I'd recommend to people. And that's what yeah. I talk about. The one I think is really good. And I don't know whether it's an overlook, Joe. I would appreciate your opinion on this, is Wisdom of the Witch, I think is the Christmas special. Yeah. I think is very funny. And there's something I can't quite put my finger on why I, I'm drawn to it as a really good, enjoyable Christmas well, special. Yeah, it's hard to put your finger on these things. I mean, we go back to Hearts of Darkness. That's a complete 50-50 split of comedy and tragedy, isn't it? Mm. When I reviewed that with uh, a guest, it worked out almost exactly 15 minutes in. So where Victor encounters the house. Yeah. So from there, it's, uh, you know, it's not such, there's no comedy at all. It's a good episode to recommend people who aren't so familiar with One Foot in the Grave because it would win the hearts of potential viewers over when they see what Victor does in that. So then yeah. they'd probably be egging him on to win in other episodes, which he doesn't always win. In fact, he, he rarely wins, really. He's always on the receiving end of yeah. something, isn't he? <laughs> like um, a classic. British sitcom character, we like a loser, don't we? Someone that exactly. doesn't really triumph. But another interesting point in Hearts is when I was doing that documentary in 2015, I any excuse to have a rewatch of the episodes, and I was going through them, and I remember watching that one, and my wife was in the room and was kind of zoning in and out, doing something else, and she said, hang on, is this still one foot in the grave? <laughs> when it had switched and it had become so so full of pathos and that drama and i thought that was an interesting reaction and she was yeah. genuinely shocked at at that being a sitcom and i you probably know better than i was but when did it go out originally did it go out before nine o'clock it must have been Do you know what? i can tell you i would have thought if the watershed rule was about in the mid 90s then probably it would have been after nine o'clock on a yeah, sunday probably I think... I think it probably was after nine. Yeah, um, and they 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 often cut a scene where the old chap is getting beaten up, which defeats a lot of the object. I think it needs to be seen. It's, I think it's yeah. on the original DVD, but if there's a rerun on BBC Three or not, it rarely is or BBC Four or Channel Yesterday, they, and Yesterday, yeah, they've, yeah. they've, they've been it's known strange. to cut. It's, I don't know where you know. If I was the the producer, if I was the writer or the, or even the director of one of those programs and then I saw it being repeated and it was a kind of butchered edit edit. Mm. I'd be a bit cross about that, wouldn't you? I would. <laughs> I I mean, on, on the topic of cuts, can you reveal if there's any unseen 
one from the Algarve scenes that we'll get to see on the night. Well, I've, got good, it news. I've got good news. I've got bad news. <laughs> um, the good news is there are, when I was piecing together the, the, the negatives, um, there were, there were some extra scenes. There was definitely extra material in there. Um, unfortunately, the sound for the negatives has gone. <laughs> so oh, really? So you can't yeah, really show it? I can't really show it. Um, unless someone somewhere maybe associated with the production has a copy, maybe uh, the film editor, maybe, I don't know, the director of photography, maybe someone kept a VHS copy of the original edit. Um, but no, that, so those scenes won't be in. And also, uh, out of respect to David and to everyone involved, we said that we're going to match it frame for frame for yeah. the final edit. Yeah. And um, it's certainly one of those things that's interesting, and that interests me when you see what wasn't involved, what was what was taken out, what didn't end up in the final Can you, can you tell us, just by, I know there's no audio, but can you tell what's going on? Yeah, so there's, um, there is a little bit more in the brothel, the, the pub that turns out to be a brothel, a little bit kind of wordplay there. Oh, yeah, um, so at the beginning of the great, but yes, but I don't know what they're saying. Obviously, you <laughs> can't hear it. And it looks like there's a little bit more of, of Margaret um, pontificating about getting old and lots of lovely, beautiful scenic shots and things. But I can see why cuts had to be made to get it to 90 minutes, and I can also see why that material was probably cut. And to be honest, I've watched a lot of extended versions and special editions of things, whether it's comedy or science fiction. And I've yet to see an extended version of something where I thought that's so much better than the one I saw go out. So I don't think we're missing much at all. Okay. And I certainly can't remember. Doesn't appear to be any extra Peter Cook material. Oh, that's um, a shame. They, they did. Um, Chris Gurnan would tell you and David, they had to cut so much out. Of Algarve, so the chances are there could have still been some absolute gems, but I suppose they got to follow a process of it now and make sure it's not four hours long. Especially we'd love to for it to be, or at least in like two big, maybe a two-parter would have been great. But for what we have, it's I just I love one for the Algarve. It's, it would be in my top five yeah. easily. Oh, it's very very good, isn't it? And I can remember watching it when it was originally broadcast it must have only been about 10 years old but it was an event and oh, wow. it was on boxing day wasn't it it was boxing day 93 day. It had over yeah. 20 million viewers i looked up uh which is fantastic but it's i have you ever been to the algarve no i haven't uh, no. I, I i went about seven or eight years ago reading richard weber's one foot in the grave have you read richard weber's yes yes yeah. good book brilliant Very isn't good. it so that was really nice reading that on the uh Algarve, Golden Sands, you know, just off the coast, just trying to find where they might have walked down that those steps onto the beach. You know, you had Hugo yeah, and uh, yeah. his his dad, and it's but obviously beautifully... it goes on for so long; it could be any part of that beach. But it was it was uh, yeah, love loved uh, Algarve. Beautiful scenery and <clears throat> yeah, wonderfully shot, and they really made the most of the location. But I tell you, the thing that I've noticed here, as having been one of two people really working on this, that has has gone through this pretty much frame by frame. I've worked on this, the guy called Paul Venezes, who works on a lot of the Doctor Who stuff as well and really knows his stuff when it comes to the grading and the treatment of film and basically what to do to give it the right amount of TLC to make it sing. Yeah. And so we're probably the only people that have looked at it frame by frame, apart from the guys who originally transferred it. And when you are looking at it frame by frame, you know, 25 frames a second, 60 seconds a minute, 90 minutes, you get to know it very well. And 
the thing that struck me was I don't think you'd ever see a sitcom or even a general television programme in Britain spend that amount of care and effort and money on a Christmas special anymore. Mm. Because if you think about the location filming at the railway station, yeah. at the, the villa that's supposedly in Britain with Peter Cook up the tree, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the underwater filming as well to start with, that would have been done on a different type of camera. Um, the filming then on the plane, the filming then abroad, obviously, and you're looking at roads, the pub brothel, the villa they had to find, the other villa that's looking nice where the other guys are yeah. staying, you know, and then all the public places as well. Yeah. And involving animals, the donkeys. Um, Grief, yeah. When you break you... it down like that, it's that, that <laughs> wouldn't have been cheap. Well, logistically, if you were the production manager, that's a long shopping list, isn't it, of things yeah. to do? And yeah. you couldn't, I can't remember. I mean, even what was the last proper Christmas special? Would it be like Gavin and Stacey or something? I reckon even if you sat down and you looked at <clears> what was involved in making the last comedies, you know, whether it's a Mrs. Brown boys or a Gavin and Stacey, I'm struggling to think of what other comedies are around. Same. Now, so, <laughs> so it's like I live in the past, but um, I don't think you'd come anywhere near that, would no. you? The amount no, of money and effort that was put into something like our garb. Just to simplify it for the listener, when you're when you've got that roll of film, mm. have you got some special kit that that connects onto, then feeds into your machine? And yeah, then is so... that because like I've got simple converter software, but have you got that on a much larger scale and a more complex scale? So if I wanted to, obviously we I'm doing a Zoom video call. If you know, if I wanted to convert that to audio, I just click on a button and it converts it to audio. Done. But obviously, it's take. When did you start this process? Was it early this this year? Wasn't it when you spoke to me? Yeah, it was. It, um, <clears throat> gosh, the time has absolutely flown by. But we had this scanned a few months ago. I mean, first of all, I've been talking to David for a while yeah. about possibilities to get those three film versions of Bumfoot seen somewhere or yeah. scanned and created and restored. And I did try quite a few different avenues of various different television channels, companies. Yeah. And I was kind of banging my head against them a little bit um, yeah. because it's such an obvious thing that could be done so well. And then when I pitched the idea to my boss at BBC South, at BBC Solent, it came off the back of me doing a similar project for Bergerac last year at BBC Channel Islands, where we screened John Nettles, picked his favourite episode of Bergerac, all shot on film, and we had that transferred, restored, and shown in a cinema in Jersey. And so what we did was, um, when I got the permission to then do that with one foot, check that was okay with David, and then we got the reels off the shelf and we had them inspected by the team, the BBC library and archive in London. And they happily reported they were in very good condition. They said that they didn't think they had been touched since they had actually been telecined in 1993. And what that, what that would have involved, and this is, I'm trying to explain this in kind of layman's speech because I can go into too much detail here, but basically when they did the edit in 93, they would have taken the film they would have had it developed. They would have made it into a print. They would have then run that off on a telecine machine and television centre onto videotape. And then they would have done the final edit on videotape. And by the point that you've done a couple of video generations and a quite a quick and dirty telecine of the film originally, 
the quality has gone down quite a lot. So you do have, if you look at the Algarve Master at the moment when it's on BBC4, it's on the iPlayer, isn't it? Um, yeah. If you look at it on the iPlayer, you can see a lot of dirt on the picture. You can see a bit of weave where the picture's jumping, particularly it's noticeable in the prison cell villa scenes. Yeah. The darkness there. And I feel just, like if you're in that profession, you probably notice that. But most of us yeah. just sort of probably forget about that for a little while but yeah i can see i know what you mean if you look carefully sometimes depending on what you're watching it can be slightly grainy or whatever yeah, yeah. one of my colleagues for um bbc Sodom put up a video where we did a side by side of the new version that we're creating and the old version and the colors as well in the old version are so washed out yeah they're they're not very vibrant whereas at least with this one we've been able to grade it so it's really it really makes it sing um so yeah there's a there's a real difference but the actual scanning that would have been done by the bbc in london right and a really experienced uh operator a guy called harvey who works within paul's team for bbc archive they very kindly scanned all the reels and for algarve there were eight reels which is a lot of material to scan. And the reason there's eight reels is they're four cans and they're called A and B. And when the shot changes between the A and B rolls, it hops from the A roll to the B roll, then back to the A, B, A, B, and it flip-flops like that. Uh, and it was four cans worth, two reels in each can, and they scan them all, put them on a big drive somewhere up there, which is bigger than my head, full of <laughs> full of uh, terabytes, things about nine terabyte drive. Um, and that was very exciting to see and to get. And uh, yeah, the, the the quality and the clarity of the image really gave us great hope that this was going to reap rewards. And yeah, I'm so excited about the, the night, Friday the 4th, November. I see yeah. they sold out now, haven't they? The, there's one left. <laughs> there's one ticket left. I mean, I'm going to try and release seat. this. <laughs> I'm going to try and release this episode. What's a Sunday night recording? So if I can get this out tomorrow or Tuesday, I'm sure it would have gone by then. But if you're hesitant and you're listening, just get down there. So can you reveal? Obviously, I know certain things that may be happening on the night. Can you reveal or confirm of any surprises on the yes. night? Yes. Yeah, I can tell you a, a few of the things. Um, obviously, this is all in aid of children in need. So yeah. Pudsey is going to be on the door. And uh, the tickets that we've allotted them free, so we hope people turn up. Yeah. <laughs> and dig deep. Um, w- when you get there, dig deep and give your money to Pudsey on the way in. And then, what are you going to? What are you going to find? What can you expect to get in there? Well, obviously, we're going to show the remastered version of one from the Algarve, but we've got a couple of surprises beforehand. We're going to have uh, a couple of uh, goodie bags, a few DVD box sets, and. Blu-rays and things like that from our friends at BBC Studios. We're going to give them away to the crowd if you have good one-foot-in-the-grave knowledge. I don't know whether you should be banned from taking part of or whether you should be welcome for taking part. I'm My listeners are, are generally more, far more knowledgeable than I, you know, averagely speak. On, when they're put on the spot, they can... So just to confirm, they're not these aren't Blu-ray one foot in the graves. They're just no, these are random no. Blu-ray. Yeah, just in case people well, get excited for a minute. I did have that <laughs> battle as well because when I asked for some, I thought... Is it sensible to give away box sets of one foot in the grave or one foot in the grave ceiling, or are those people likely to already have them? 
<laughs> yes, already got them. So um, we're gonna we've got basically some random BBC comedy yeah. DVDs um, in the hope that people would like them because they probably haven't got them. Uh, what else are we gonna do? Yes, yeah, so we're gonna give them away. We've got some really interesting footage. Uh, Owen Bremnham, who you've had on the podcast, with a lovely guy, he has supplied us with some footage uh, which he filmed behind the scenes of the last series. Yeah, and we're gonna show a little bit of that. I've also got. Uh, uh, I'm two minds about this. I think I'll probably share. I did a feature of Saturday myself. Uh, you did, uh, yeah. Back in 2015 when we plugged my radio documentary. So I'll probably play that. But I've also found a couple of older BBC Saturday features. One uh, which was filmed just after the passing of the character of Victor in 2000, where there were issues with the number of wreaths and flowers, people regularly leaving there yes. in the pub, the pub across the road. Uh, put up a plaque, but also introduced fish and chips with a free finger on their <laughs> on their menu, which I thought was quite funny. So we're going to show that, and then I've got a, a wonderful feature done by my colleague Steve Humphreys, who actually starred as an extra in one. Film. It. Well, it's not an extra, actually. No, that's doing him a disservice. It's not even an extra. He actually had some lines. He was the reporter who exposes him and is there with the camera that peeps through the window to see Victor getting changed yes. in the series five episode. Um, and uh, I'm not holding the sky. Um, I know oh. the one you mean. I know the one it's, it's, so I told you I'm not, I'm not the super no, fan. I can't remember name. I used to remember names of things like songs and episodes and films, but uh, it's gone to pieces, but it's, it's the one with the, um, is it a whole, it, I think it's holding the sky, but, yeah, I think it is. It's where they um where he gets confused with the person who does the newspaper yes. article. Uh, Mildred Herring, isn't it? That's it. And, <laughs> and I think I've been I had um a chap called Glenn on reviewing uh Glenn from Tasmania. Oh, right, Australia. Right. And he pointed out and he had his Renwick head on that the name Mildred Herring. If you break down the uh name is Red Herring. Like a mis <laughs> like a misleading yeah. element. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly what he said, but knowing David Remick and his names, Mildred yeah. Herring, Red Herring, like because whatever the, the plot was at the time was That's a basically trick, isn't it? Confusing yeah. Victor. So, yeah, God, I'm feeling embarrassed now because I'm just trying to remember. I'm sure it's but like you said, was, it is it's a series five. Steve, and Steve is a BBC South Today reporter, but in his right. spare time. He was an actor as well, and so he was in things like The Demon Head Master. But then his kind of crowning, that's a crowning achievement, I'm speaking for him here, but he does talk about it quite a lot, is the uh, the appearance he had in One Foot. And he did a piece for South Today about it, and he interviewed Annette, and he interviewed David, and the kind of general hubbub. And you see the behind-the-scenes filming of that scene being put together and some of the neighbours are interviewed, and they say how he gets oh, busy they go away. So it's only a short little little piece. But no, that's that's. That. I just um, checked. It's it's only a story because that's uh, uh, yes, got Jean course, Warboys yes. in, isn't it? And she because reads out the ed- yes. she's reading out the the newspaper article because at this point, Vix is down as the editor, and he so yes, oh yeah, that's so right. yeah. Um, so it's a very funny one. Yeah, were you nearly the man responsible for? Um, putting together the Only Fools and Horses Blu-ray um, um, box set. So I wasn't involved with that, but 
I was involved with the discovery of some photo That's it. negatives, yeah. which showed a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So they digitized a lot. So again, I say I was I wasn't responsible myself. Is the wonderfully talented people at the BBC Photo Library that found them. I was responsible for making a feature about their discovery. Right, okay. So I was cashing in on other people's hard work. <laughs> um, but that was good fun. And we did do an Only Fools and Horses feature uh, for BBC South about the Chandelier episode many years before that as well, because the school where they filmed that is just up the road from right. yeah, from where I was speaking to you in Southampton. And um, I mean that Blu-ray, I uh, I think it's great, isn't it? That that they've done a very good job. I haven't. Do you know what? I'm a massive Fools fan. Mm. I haven't brought it. It's... I think it's because I just don't pick up a DVD or Blu-ray anymore. And I, I, I tend to, but I just haven't. Have you watched it? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. Yeah, it's very good. It's it's one of those times where it actually it's pleasurable to watch it again because it looks so different and is such an improvement particularly to Hullenbach which is 100% film um, yeah. even things like the Jolly Boys outing I mean that's an example where they have upscaled the video parts to go alongside the film so something like Jolly Boys outing yeah. or Dates or Royal Flush which has a mix of film and video they've yeah. upscaled the video to try and make it look as good as the HD film and I think that's a really that's a great box set to buy and also I was kind of hoping that the more people bought that the more chance there is to do more comedy box sets. And I can't tell you too much, but I have no. just finished working on another legendary comedy series, which is going to be released on Blu-ray before the end of the year. And if you're a fan of comedy, I'm pretty sure you would have been a fan of this TV show. And it's, again, a mix of film and video. And okay. we have been able to put quite a few special features and commentaries with that. And Amazing. that's going to be that's going to be really interesting how well that goes down. I hope I hope with all these things they go down well. We did a, a launch of the BFI in April this year for Wurzel Gummidge, which was another restoration I've just been working on. I did the sound restoration on that, and I did the picture conform, which was compiling all the pictures from the, yeah. the different A and B legs together, sending them off for restoration, and then I would restore the sound and then slap the soundtrack on. Right, and that. I found out during the course of last week, won an RTS award for the restoration, which uh, bonkers because Amazing. <laughs> that's, that's, that was up in post-production against all the comedy and drama in the North of England and to win it for a world will come. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's crazy, but it goes to show though, that there are people that do value being able to create fresh masters and be able to create HD material. And, I do hope that there is some way, particularly now, I, I'm buoyant that now people are buying 50-inch televisions for their bedroom, a bit like the joke in One Foot in the Grave. People are, though, aren't they? I mean, it is it is insane. I don't know if you ever walk your dog. I used to have a dog until recently, and I used to walk him oh. late, late night, early in the morning during the day. And whenever you walked him late at night, I used to love just looking through looking you, through people's windows at the curtains over as you walk by just to see what telly they had and what they're up to. You, do it, you were doing a Mrs. Ellsbury, were you? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yes. her mother even, yeah. No, but <laughs> it never shocked me how big people's televisions no. are and they're completely inappropriate for the size living rooms that they're in. But also, you would sometimes see a 50-inch television screen or larger in someone's bedroom. Mm. And all I can think is, as TVs are getting cheaper and bigger... 
there's a pressure for the picture quality to get better. And when you look at certain channels without naming names, when they transmit certain programs off the old masters, they look really not very good. Yeah. And there should be a pressure, I think, to restore things, particularly from a cultural point of view. And now the telly's getting bigger. They need it. They're getting um, cheap as well because, you know, you buy yeah. a 50-inch uh, telly in, in the year 2000, you know, over a 1,000 quid probably. But oh, you can yeah. get a £350 50-inch LED t- uh, TV. Have you got quite – have you got all the all the gear at home? Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. All the gear, um, no idea. But you probably have got an idea because <laughs> that's your profession. No, it's 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 frustrating though because I I'm one of those people that spends so long fiddling with the settings and getting things right because I never think it's quite good enough. And right. we have a we've got a big telly, but also I've got a projector as well. And there's nothing better than being able to late at night pull the blinds, put the projector screen. I down thought you'd have watch, a projector. I was I was, was going to say, there. do you have a projector screen? Yeah. yeah. But it, I used to like watching weird. slides on projector. Did you ever do that in the 90s? My dad oh, yes, always yes. had slides and just spent hours. A bit like, um, well, it's not like that at all, but we're put a living in the tomb, but they're actually watching footage of Jennifer's holiday. You know, they look after Jackie the tortoise. Oh, you know that kind yes, of event where yeah. you, you go around family and they'll show you holiday footage. Well, there's but the slides that Mrs. Warboy showed. The slides of Mrs. Warboy's when she went yeah. to America, yeah. So it's, yeah. It's that kind of event that I, I used to like, but it's traditionally apparently boring but enough for victor to fall asleep anyway but um i was gonna say there was a there was a couple of things that i wanted to mention to you um because i do enjoy your podcast and Thank I, you. I um i used to listen to podcasts a lot more when i was dog walking but now i listen to my podcast in dog on um, long car journeys which yeah. are great and the great thing about your podcast is that you're obviously exploring a fantastic comedy show that we all love but also you get to ask the people who are part of that the questions to elicit interesting responses. And the one thing that I wanted to know, which I don't think you've touched upon, yeah. you, you might shame me and say you have, the radio series of One yeah. Foot in the Grave, I don't recall that being too different to those television episodes. Were there any compensations made? It's been a long time since I've listened to the radio episodes and how many were there? Was there four? There's or four. Six? four. I haven't actually listened to them many times over. I've listened to in recent times just a, a snippet, and it's uh, ever, you can tell it's like the speed of delivery is ever so slightly out because they're obviously just going over it again. And it's probably you know, as is, as is the case for any profession, if you're uh, replicating something you've already done, it's never going to be quite the same, even if you're trying to mimic it. Um, if you mean about like maybe um, extra dialogue, I, do you know what? I'd have to go over it. I'm yeah, surprised I haven't really reviewed it um, so it's far, like but there's four episodes in there. Nuances of the performance as well and things like that. I only asked because they did it for Dad's Army, didn't they? They did it mm. for Steptoe and Son, like Hancock. Hancock. Now, Hancock's a famous example where by the time they did the legendary ones like The Blood Donor with Hancock, his personal circumstances had taken such a plunge, his performance really wasn't up to scratch. And apparently, Goldman Simpson said they had to edit the timing for him. So right. he lost his timing. But also, there's something quite pathetically sad when you hear him doing some of those radio uh, re-recordings of the television. These are the re-recordings I'm talking about, not the original radio series, that you think, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah, but, 
The reason I ask about one foot is having made a radio doc. Yeah. I think it doesn't date when you listen to it, when it's audio only. Yeah. Obviously, visually, fashion's changed and everything's yeah. bound today. And, you know, four by three rather than widescreen for the majority, et cetera. That's, that's always going to date. You're kind of tied to that. But actually listening to the clips, and I was so pleased with that radio program because it gave me the ability to use the clips that people don't ordinarily use and i thought they stood up really well and i get that same feeling when i listen to certain other comedies black adder is a good example works very well on audio they weren't re-recorded but i know the, the soundtracks were released and the not the nine o'clock news lps that were released in the 80s you listen to them now some of the sketches not the topical stuff but the pure sketches are still so so good and there's something to be said about one foot, I think, and audio. And I wish they'd do more. Or I did maybe. ask. I, I think I asked. I asked Richard Wilson if he'd ever consider doing uh, a comeback via yeah. audio form. I think he said playfully he would. But David was very much against it. I don't think he liked the process of doing radio comedy right. for, right. for this. But that's the only ever time I probably touched upon the radio releases. If they're, if they're ever going to do a comeback in the in the I know he's dead, but a retrospective episode or yeah. setting it in pre two thousand or Victor in the afterlife, then radio is going to be the best way because obviously they're that much older. It's not going to be as easy for them to you know play those roles as well. It might be. What do I know? But what was it like um, interviewing? So your twenty fifteen documentary. Yeah. Which we're going to see a bit of on the night. Yeah, I, I suppose for anyone who's not going to be attending, can they find that documentary online? They can, can they? I um, I'm sure I've seen snippets of it. I think some people have illegally uploaded it somewhere, but have they? Um, obviously, I can't comment on that. But uh, fair play <laughs> to them because <laughs> it gets it out there again. But occasionally, four extra do repeat it, which is good, and they get gets back on BBC Sounds, which is great. Yeah. And I always get a nice response whenever that's repeated there. Um, there is a page, a programme page I created for BBC Solent, and I put on there a lot of rushes and clips from the interviews that I did. So there's a slightly longer version of the interview I did with David, Doreen, and yeah. obviously Doreen was the presenter, so I, I also did an interview in the interviews on the, the programme yeah. page. Angus, I think I put the Angus Eats at the Deaton interview on there. Thing. Did you have any? Do you remember the uh, Britain's best sitcom in two thousand four, where yes. they covered? Who, who represented? One I can't remember, but was it, it was, Jack it, D or someone like? No, that? it wasn't. I just kind of. It wasn't Jack D because they had a, they had a star for each for each one, didn't they? Yeah, representing. yeah, yeah. Jonathan Ross did Fools and Horses. That's all I remember. Right. Um, but I I'll have to look it up. It doesn't matter. But the reason why I asked, I don't know if you did you. I mean, did you watch that at the time? And did you for the, for the creators of that documentary? Did you get involved with that years later when you were when you did the twenty fifteen? Was there anyone behind the scenes that you sort of went to to ask for any uh, I don't know guidance to getting hold of these the actors and? It, it it was very much down to me really. There's if the BBC was an incredibly well organised close knit team of people like that, and there was some kind of filing cabinet with a folder in it that that had all of the production notes and that. Um, which there probably is somewhere. I don't know where to find it. Um, right. But I 
how did that start? I knew I always wanted Doreen to present it because I just it really tickled me the idea of Mrs. Warboys presenting it. And then I just drew up a hit list of various people I wanted to speak to. And I knew that Richard would be great to include at the very least with Arco because he's done so many interviews about the character over the years and also he would feature in a lot of the clips. So right. um, I wasn't too fussed if David uh, Richard wasn't available for a, for a fresh interview because I had a lot of Arco material with him in being interviewed and the clips. Um, and the same with the net really. But I really, really wanted to speak to, obviously, to David. And he was very kind. And I recorded a, a lovely interview with him. That was a pleasure and privilege to meet him. And I was tickled pink that Janine Davitsky, uh, Angus Dayton, Owen Bremnan, uh, who else was there? Um, my goodness, there were so many. There was the neighbours, the people that lived in the house. There was so many like, clips that I found from points of view and places. Um, you visited these these actors in, in the flesh, didn't you? You went to David's yeah. house, yeah, so which I, is, uh, must have been a pretty surreal, seeing them in, in, in person. Yeah, it was, it was lovely to just meet these people uh, one-on-one pre-covid obviously because now yeah. everything's done on zoom and if you if you if you want to meet someone in real life and not do it on zoom they think you're odd they they far rather do it all on zoom um but do you know what was nice and i found this with a few other programs Wurzel was one British empire was another yeah um tony hancock to an extent peter sellers was then benny hill yeah where if you ring people up and go i'm making a program about Benny Hill, I'm making a program about one foot in the grave. They immediately smile and they want to help you. And you don't get that necessarily with some shows yeah. without naming names. But yeah. if you bring certain people up and go, I'm making this feature for this program, they immediately don't, don't want to know. Um, shame, isn't it? Yeah, is, it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, go back, you mentioned Hancock. Are you a big fan of Hancock? Yeah, 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 yeah. They've just found a, a lost episode. My brother's part of yes. the. Yes, oh god. He does a podcast with with the society. He run Tony Hancock Appreciation Society. And they, yeah, they they've just been in the Radio Times talking about. I think UK Gold going to do a feature, but they're all they're also um, colorizing the blood not donor, the missing page blood do, blood donor. We were angry men. Yeah, yeah. I read about that. I someone took me off on the grapevine that wasn't supposed to, that they were going to do two episodes. They wouldn't say which ones, but I presume the blood donor was one. And I certainly haven't seen any footage as to what it looked like. And if I had, I wouldn't be able to tell you that it looks fantastic. So um, it's worth worth sticking around for them, (laughs) from what I hear. (laughs) The presenter for The One Foot in the Grave, what's the phrase? Well, the Britain's Best Sitcom. Oh yes, it was Roland Roland Rivron. Oh yes, yes, yes. I just yes. I had to look that up. I, I couldn't remember. That's interesting, isn't it? Because Roland, obviously famed for being part of the alternative comedy circuit for years. What's really interesting, though, the, the crossover between certain sitcoms of the eighties and the nineties, because Owen and Angus were really key members of Alexi Sales' stuff, of which David Renwick contributed a lot of material, and. That always, I think that's interesting, isn't it? That you can see maybe there are some strengths there for writing for those characters within sketches. You kind of get to know what they can and can't do. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and Roland Riveron was part of not Alexis Sale stuff, but the alternative scene at the time. So for something that on the face of it, you know, sofas facing the cameras, front room house, sitcom, it has some alternative talent associated with it and it has some okay. turns of comedian as a fan. That's ah. always interested me. Um, Back to the, the main event on the 4th of November, the tickets stay at half past seven. Now, with, yes. with all the few bits that are going on beforehand, will the earliest time start time be half seven or pe- do people need to get there a bit before? Um, I think people need to get there for half seven, but everything will start at eight. Okay, so um, any 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 surprises or anything you haven't said tonight if the, if it does happen it'll be by before it's okay so don't yeah. be late ladies and gentlemen yeah. no and it's you know it's 550 seats yeah <laughs> that's mad. and your and yours truly will be apparently to say a few words yes 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 I, i'm more than used to you know speaking to a certain audience but there's a microphone and a screen in front of me <laughs> Not 550 people, so that'll be a bit daunting. But it's um, going to be very laid back. What we've got planned for you is: Have you ever seen the program Mastermind? I have. So oh, you're no. going to be you're going to be brought up <laughs> in front of the screen, and you're going to have this quick fire round of naming episode titles. And if you don't get enough right, you'll be ejected from the cinema. So <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> Good grief! Do they plan on doing a, a Mastermind type thing? Or are you joking? I'm just, no, no, yeah, I just no, I thought I'd check. No, no. Christ, no, the, the pressure quest- is on. <laughs> the only questions will be thrown out to the audience, and uh, yeah. um, I, I would appreciate. Yeah, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna write the questions, and I might pass them by you if that's okay. That's fine. I, I've done a few quizzes on this pod, and I do have fun coming up with some really um, obscure questions that people might not necessarily well, I, know the answer. I, I one question I asked uh, one of my listeners' uh, guests on Rachel. I I said. And I gave her some time. I said, you need to name every single animal reference in the show. <laughs> and so I came up with about 37. Well, after the podcast was published and out there, people come to me and say, what about this? What about the, the mention of the dog? And that? What about the cat? Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. There's about, it's about 70. And I'm talking about reference. They didn't have to be seen. Just any time they mention an animal. And there's so many. I found in a geekish way interesting. But uh, on the topic of, sort of on the topic of games in a way, uh, would you like to participate in One Foot in the Desert Islands? Yes, yes, I yeah. would. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. slowly evolving this because i've added one or two questions in recent podcast episodes it used to just be three or four but now it's a little bit more so where are you flying to richard where do you intend to where's your intended destination so it has to be a desert island somewhere does it well it you're, to you're going to crash on a desert island but you could be going to new york you could be going to portugal so you just happened the plane's going to crash sadly but you survive on an island I would, I uh, yeah, I'd say New York. New York's going to have my honeymoon. Love, love to go. Okay, there. yeah, all right. So you're on the island, uh, Richard. But uh, to keep you company, I know you prefer to have wife and kids. They're safe back at home. They're waiting for you. <laughs> well, you say that, but God, <laughs> yeah. But you, um, you can have any character from one in the grave, scene or otherwise. Who would you spend time with if you could choose, and why? 
I would say possibly Mrs. Mrs. Warboys would uh, would be irritating, but probably a good cook. Um, okay. Who good, else? Is good cooks. Probably. I'd say probably the most. You'd be trying to find the most normal people, wouldn't you? So that would probably be Angus and Janine, wouldn't it? it that's would true. Be, yeah. If you if if that's your if that's the sort of company you want, where they're not too quirky. Or, or would you go for Mister Swaney? And Owen, because he he strikes you as a kind of a bit of an overgrown cub scout. That's what, yeah. Probably would be able to survival skills would be quite uh, on the mail. If you had the the tr- top trump cards, I think yeah. his survival skills would be nice. He'll be a very yeah. I so you're going to go with uh, Mr. Sweeney? No, or... no, no. I I'm going to go with. Um... <sighs> God, this tough one. It's either it's between Patrick Pepper or Mrs. Warboys. I think I would say, I think I'd probably say Mrs. Warboys because Doreen's delightful and okay. it would be it would be endless conversation. All right, but probably a good cook. Okay, Mrs. Warboys. <laughs> Which and she, I yeah. Not. yeah. <laughs> so obviously, survival skills is paramount, and you can have fish, and you can have coconuts, and whatever vegetation you can find. But yeah, I'll reward you with a meal that's just going to appear from nowhere. Every day, it's a meal that has been again seen or maybe mentioned in the show. Right. There's so many examples that I can't even think of them. Squid, squid, and Stilton um, <laughs> sauce that Victor made. You know, there's the big whopper um, that's mentioned. The big whopper one. of cheese wrapper that found in his garden. There's all sorts. Yeah, there's the spaghetti vongole. There's all sorts mentioned. <laughs> um, yeah. Off the top of your head, there's oh my, there's the fish fingers I, with obvious, and chip. Easy, conscious, easy. Right? Easy answer, yeah. I'd go okay. fish fingers with the finger. It's cotton fingers. chips with a finger. Fish and chips with a finger. Cotton chips with a finger. Or yeah. I'd go for the pub lunch that he has in Hearts of Darkness at one point. Yeah. Do you but actually see the what they're maggot, eating? Not with the maggots, though. That was, oh, that, well, that is um, yeah. that's Dawn of Man, isn't it? When he gets his own back on that thug. Oh, God, no, it is. Yes, yeah. no, that's Dawn of Man. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 I've so, said for that roast dinner, it looks the, the worst roast dinner I've ever seen. <laughs> that because it does a proper close-up shot. It's just hideous. But yeah. you'd go for that, would you? I, I'd I'd probably say a roast dinner, or uh, they must be eating something in Hearts of Darkness at the pub before the beer pint goes. Flying. Yeah, you just don't. There must be see like it, plowmans, though. plowmans, or something like that. Maybe a proper pub pub plowmans. Maybe, but then would you want a plowmans every day? I think I'm gonna have to go with the uh, the fish and chips because these fish is healthy. I know it's battered. Fish Mind you, you're on, you're on a are. you're on an island where you, you, there's unlimited fish around you. So would you oh, necessarily man, want no, cod every day? You're poisoned by bonged now with the fact that I've already got fish. Um, oh, you can go for the plowmans. I'll just I'll I'll, I'll say I'll, we... I'll say the plowmans. I'll go with the plowmans. Okay, well let, yeah. we'll imagine they had plowmans in Hearts of Darkness. Okay, okay. So a drink, you know, something to wash it down with. There's been several drink references: Polish sherry, glass of glue, whatever that may mean. Tenants pills and lager. What what, yeah, what are you drinking? I'd go with the lager that they use to put in the wine bottle. Oh right, special. Who's listening? I think I think the lager would be perfect on a desert island, particularly if the weather was good. And I'd I'd have already worked out how to get the milk out of coconuts or the or fashion a filtration system to get the water. Okay. Um, so I think the lager would be good. Yeah, so that, that's from yeah Tom Croker's Chateau Chevenet Merceau, nineteen twenty four bottle. <laughs> You're gonna ruin. Okay, fair enough. Very specific. Very specific indeed. Okay, so um, 
I can give you a portable DVD player. I know it's not the sort of equipment you're used to. You're used to much more professional gear. <laughs> but a portable DVD player, solar powered, it's only yeah. got enough space for up to one feature length. What are you choosing? This is the only episode you can um, watch every day. Do you know what I'd go for? Bob and the Algar? No. <laughs> I know that one quite well now. Um, I would go for the either the, the documentary, the story of one for, that they made just in, in tandem, was it, in parallel yeah, with the last that's, series? that's an interesting choice. Or the one foot in the grave selection box that was made in the late mid to late 90s on BBC One. Oh, you're, 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 you're finding these legal loopholes of these yeah. uh, questions, aren't you? It's like very to, clever. I like to mess with the system. Um, and I think I think that would be more entertaining because at least then you've got a selection. You have. That's very clever. And okay, so that's... Uh, so you go with story irritating, of... but I think I'll I'll go with story of story yeah, of okay story of, yeah. all right God, these are smart answers um, okay if you're gonna get you have so many emotions on, on this island you're gonna get probably a bit angry sometimes I'm gonna let you feed any one foot character to the sharks seen or otherwise they regenerate every day right and you don't have to feed them to the sharks every every time but can you think of a one foot character you like to get oh I want to get rid of you. Um, so some people might, you know, we might say the bendy dinosaur salesman. They might say the guy who chucks the swan the, in the, the uh, lake. Oh uh, gosh, yeah, yeah. What about the guy, the the Sky TV salesman? Ah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's what do irritating. they call him? Um, that, just reviewed the, this recently, and I forgot. They oh, looks say, like Buddy Holly. Doesn't that's it. Well, yeah, I think it's called Barney or something. But yeah, so the Buddy Holly salesman. Yeah, because he's he that optimism but that smarminess of i'm here to try and sell you something and i don't really care about you but i'm going to pretend <laughs> lets himself do. into the back garden yeah doesn't or, really or the guy that cut him up and then tries to sell him the computer i mean that's the, oh yes it salesman guy probably the most dislikable character in the whole memo yeah much. yeah, yeah, that's, a good, yeah. That's, a good, that's a good call maybe him actually because I thought you were going to say when you said cut up for some reason I pictured in Beast in the Cage the uh, the yuppie who's no. chatting up the women. No, I that's another he... one. But, but he... do you know he's he plays um, Eugene and only falls and horses, doesn't he? That's I was about to ask you. Yeah, I think, didn't know that um, until no last year when I looked up his credits. Like, oh, he's, of course he's, he's Eugene in um, Stage Fright. Yeah, in the, yeah. In, the, in the Down by the Riverside Club. Yeah. It's Down by the Riverside. Um, it's down by the Riverside, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the, the guy who cuts him up and then tries to set him the computer. I can't remember his character name. I don't know if he had one. Let me just quickly verify. That was in Series, series 3, Broken Reflection. Was that yeah, Series cause... 3? Wow. Yeah, because Alf, Alf comes to say and he, he oh, picked up the yes. phone. So Jim, well, no, he's just called Sales Representative, played by Jim Sweeney. So okay. he hasn't got a name. Sales um, Representative can go to the Sharks. The sell, yes. IT salesman guy. That, that's fine. So is that your final answer for that one? Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. I'm pleased with that one. <laughs> this is a fairly new addition to this game, this question, sorry. What prop from the show would you like to have and why? Um, well, there's the, the ultimate prop owned by one of the... The pub owners down here, although I think she may have changed pub now and moved to another part of the country, but she had the pain in the ass pub sign. Oh, would that have a hammer? Because um, 
Victor, well, Richard bashes it a, a couple I times, doesn't he? I think it was intact. She sent me a photo of it. Where have I got that? I've got it somewhere. When I was making the documentary, she came out of the woodwork and I nearly arranged to go and interview her, but I ran out of time. But she had the she had it framed on her wall in the pub. So I think they maybe had one that was fine that was on there and another one which she put the hammer through. Um, okay. Because it looked like, from memory, it looked like it was in good condition. Um, so that's an ultimate piece, piece of uh, memorabilia. Um, who did I speak to the other day that had stuff? I had um, art director Richard Drew on, who's production designer. He's done loads of stuff, Afterlife, more recently. When he got in touch with me, and originally just sent me a picture of the riverbank sign that they used. So oh, he's really? props oh, wow. guy as well. So that really got caught my attention. But that's that's quite a rare thing to have. Yeah. But he might be, I mean, if you ever need to speak to him or just if you ever, for whatever yeah. reason, researching One Foot or any other sitcom he's, he's um, worked on, he's a good contact because he's got all sorts of um, background information on set design and all the work, right. that, work that's gone into certain comedies he's worked on. I think prop-wise, though, probably one of the garden gnomes. I mean, they're so synonymous, just that image of them. I don't see them anywhere else. I don't know whether that was one designed by the BBC. Do you know Doreen um, was... spoke to me? When I spoke to her, do you remember saying she's got one of those garden gnome props? Has she? So she's kept one, yeah. Is that going to be useful to you on the island? No. Or <laughs> <laughs> the pain in the ass sign? Pro- probably not. I think um, what would be useful? A mobile phone. One mm. of the mobile phones. Or... I forgot to say in the T's and C's, there's no contact with the outside no, world. No, I mean, you could have a mobile phone, but it's um, it, it's going to be no older than the year 2000. And it's... Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. A cassette player. Cassette player, like out of the car radio. Something. Oh, with, with Eric on. Idle singing, Victor Melger can stick, you can stick yes. it up his bum, yeah. So you'll have the cassette, cassette player. Okay, it's got a cassette in it. So I'll be, you know, I won't be too tight. All right. And finally... When you're eventually rescued, which other character would you like to rescue and why? Um, I would probably say it would have to be... I'm trying to find... I'm trying to think of someone here that has got... It'd probably have to be Mr Swaney, wouldn't it? Because he, out of everyone, would have medical caring skills. Having cared for his mother, I think he would probably be good, probably quite efficient and focused. Um... I was trying to work out whether there was any character at all from any of the hospital scenes in several of the episodes, but that that would be a really cheeky cheat to say. But you wouldn't want the um, the chap who was uh, shaving Victor's stomach, would you? No, he was a patient. No, no. <laughs> I think um, I think it would have to be yeah, it has to be Mister Swain. Couldn't have like generic doctor or nurse. Then no. I think it'd have to be him. Yeah. Okay. Well, just uh, let's just round up your answers then. So you're. You're flying to New York, fortunately crash on an island, but Mrs. Warboy's keeping you company every day. And you've been fed plowmans, as yes. <laughs> may or may not have been seen in Hearts of Darkness at the pub, but we're going to say it is just, you know, going to be lenient on that. And every day, on a tray, there's a lager, sorry, a, lar- a lager yes. that as used to replace whatever was in the Chateau Chevrolet Merceau 1924 wine. Specifically, nice. that locker, yes. and you're going to watch a very clever answer every day. The story of One Foot in the Grave on your portable DVD player. You were nearly going to go for the what was the other one you were going to say? Uh, the selection box. Selection the box, 90s. but you've got 
Yeah, uh, but you've opted for Story of One for Story of would have better variety of clips because it was made later. For therapeutic reasons, you're gonna feed the salesman, IT salesman guy, as seen in uh, the broken reflection. Yes. And your prop you're choosing is the cassette player from the Honda. Yeah. I'm gonna say it's from the Honda with equipped with a cassette tape. It will have all sorts of music on there, but certainly Eric Idle and the well, all the mechanics singing rendition of uh Victor Melger, you can stick up your bum. Brilliant. Finally, you're rescued by the lovable Mr. Sweeney. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad you uh, survived one foot in the desert island, Richard Latto. Yeah, uh, you've been you. a You've been a great uh, great guest. A great um, islander, actually, should I say. So I guess we'll round this off with then. So we're, we're really looking forward to Friday the 4th of November. I, I'm so excited. I'm going to finish work at 4pm, straight in the car, in Christchurch by half past five. And I should say... Someone um, got in contact with me who lives in the Christchurch area. I've spoken to the owners of the Snug, which is just around the corner from the region. They've said uh, that One Foot fans have got the top floor to themselves, and they're even going to name some lagers and cocktails after One Foot <laughs> in the Grave. So I don't know if they, they probably need some ideas, you know, a pint of Riverbank, a pint of Unbelievable, as I thought, a dad joke in itself. The if you want something to do before the do. event, if you, yeah. you want to have a drink, go to the Snug in Christchurch because they've sort of, you know, they've said it's absolutely fine to use that as a meeting point. If you want to speak to your fellow One Foot fans, will you be there, Richard, or are you likely to be in amongst? You're going to be at the region, I suppose, setting everything I'm up. I'm going or... to be stressed. <laughs> I'm going to be, <laughs> gonna be uh, maybe a drink afterwards would be good. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, get, making sure a couple of the surprises that we have are going to plan and generally just worrying that it's all going to work um but it will be a, a resounding success but then there might be one or two more um announcements to be yes. confirmed so yes you know there might not be but we're hoping there could be an announcement yeah. and that be by yourself on is it would it be on bbc radio Solent? yeah that? and uh keep an eye on my twitter at Richard Lasso, because I mentioned it on there, and yeah. um, I'll tell you as well, so you can mention it on One Foot in the Podcast Twitter feed. And uh, yeah, I, I, even if we have no more announcements to make, I think and hope that it's plenty going on. This on the the big screen um, will be interesting because I wonder how many people are coming. I wonder a lot of people would obviously have seen it before, but I wonder how recently a lot of people have seen it. And I think if you haven't seen this for a, a little while, it might yes. surprise you how yeah. good it is, particularly when you see something in a cinema environment, it really focuses the mind. And I think this really deserves it. I think it's going to look stunning. There's some people making such effort to come down as one of my guests I had on recently from Ireland. He's flying in from Ireland to Bournemouth Airport and then hiring a car to Christchurch and he's staying overnight with his uh, with his mates. So people coming far and wide, really. I know there's a few people in the Manchester area that I speak to uh, just thinking, how can I get down there in time and do I stay the night? So yeah, it's all, make all a very exciting. Of it. Make a weekend of it and go location. Go to Trezillian Way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. There's going to be so there. many... There's going to be so, the the uh, residents of Tresillian Way are going to be wondering what is going on this weekend. <laughs> There's more people than usual walking past. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I look really forward to it, and it's just credit to you for putting in the the time and effort to restore a classic. It's going to do one foot in the grave even more good because like, I do this podcast just to do my bit to get people talking about it a little bit more, and I'm doing it in a very small way. But your influence at the BBC is even better, and to get 
I never thought I'd be going to see One Foot in the Grave at the cinema. And I'm so pleased to be going. Particularly in 2022. Yeah. uh, It feels like we're living in the space age. What are you doing this weekend? I'm going to watch One Foot in the Algarve down the region (laughs) in Christchurch. It's uh, it's not what you'd be expectedly saying in 2022. But uh, yeah, I, I hope this focuses a lot of people's minds who are maybe in positions of power as to then what happens with with archive comedy and yeah. the restoration, the treatment of, of comedy. And I think drawing attention to it can only be a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I hope if this goes really well and we get a good response, it might lead to, to other things. So if you can come, if you can support it, obviously if you've got a ticket, please do turn up and yes. please do dig deep for children in need. And afterwards, um, let everyone know how much you enjoyed it. And mm. you never know, hopefully there might be another way to watch the episode afterwards but at the moment as it stands this will be the only way to see one foot in the algarve restored looking better than it did on original transmission in high definition for the first and currently only time that's that's just amazing well we look forward to comic relief 2023 with Beast in the Cage and Heart Start on side to side, Richard. No pressure. <laughs> All right. If I haven't had a breakdown, I'll, uh, no, sure. I'll, see, I'll see what I can do. Thank um, you. Thank you for coming on, Richard. It's been uh, really nice to have you on and to speak about the exciting event coming up and everything, all the work you've been car- carrying out um, as well in recent times. Please follow Richard at Richard Latto. That's with two T's. And look forward to meeting you all on the 4th of November. If you didn't get a chance to get a ticket. I'm really sorry, but if this has proven popular enough, if it's, if it's spoken about, you know, in the uh, days and weeks after the event, maybe your boss will be, you know, convinced to do it again sometime. You never know. And I think we're proud down here as well that One Foot in the Grave is associated with this part of the country. So uh, yeah. fingers crossed, who knows what the future holds. But thank you so much for having me on, Tom. Really enjoy the podcast. It's great to be on it. And uh, I will continue listening as well. And I, I hope you've got thank some you. exciting guests and exciting episodes coming up. Hope so. Well, thank you, Richard. Uh, all the best to you. Cheers, Tom. Cheers.